Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would just continue to comfort and give peace to those who are here. Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would also be a convicting presence this morning. Lord, we thank You that You're not here to condemn us, but to convict us and move us towards righteousness. Lord, I thank You and praise You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're looking at the Gospel of John again this morning, and uh, we're actually moving towards, it, is, it would be part 7 up there, Steve. We left last week with Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. How many remember that? We talked about Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. And the, the Jewish leaders saw the healing, but they weren't interested in the healing. They saw the healing. They saw this man for 38 years had been begging for healing and wanted healing. Jesus comes along and heals him, but they weren't interested in his healing. They were interested in whether or not they could enforce the law upon him. They were interested in enforcing the law. So they speak to Jesus, and Jesus speaks to them and makes them even angrier because he compares him, he, he, he makes it known that he is equal with God the Father. And so he angers these Jewish leaders. I said last week that this was the beginning of events that would lead to the crucifixion. This is the beginning of the events that would lead to the crucifixion. Jesus is making dangerous statements. He's making dangerous statements to the Jewish leaders knowing that it would lead towards Calvary. Jesus knew exactly what He was doing and who He was saying it to and where it would go. Why? Because He had to go there for you and for me. Amen? He had to go there for us. We pick up this week with Jesus then expounding on this even further. And it's important to listen to the words of Jesus carefully here. It's important that we listen to the words of Jesus. He's showing clearly that His job on this earth is to do the will of the Father. His job, while He was here for three years in ministry, His job was to do the will of the Father. I'm going to use this, this uh, morning a paraphrasing of Scripture. It's called the Message. How many, know, how many have a Message Bible? Or you like to read the Message Bible? Uh, the Message is not an exact word for word. It's more of a paraphrasing. And it's used in language that's easily understandable. So it makes it good for us here this morning. We're going to look at John chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 19 through 20. And it says this. So Jesus explained himself at length. I'm telling you this straight, he said. The son can't independently do a thing. Only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in everything he is doing. The Father loves the Son and includes Him in everything He is doing. Jesus came as the Son of God. Amen? We're going to start, we're going to see here a lot in the scripture. We're going to see just how connected God the Father and God the Son are. That there is equality with them. So we're going to look at this is Jesus, Jesus said, listen guys. The Father and the Son, we're one. We're moving together. This was Jesus' way of telling the religious leaders that He did not tell the man 
to pick up his bed and walk. Remember, we talked about the man being healed. He picked up his bed and walked. He didn't tell him to do that out of his own authority. He did it in complete submission to God the Father. He did it in complete submission to the will of God the Father. He's showing them the connection here. He's showing them the connection. This is, this is the will of the Father. He's here to do the will of the Father. Listen, Jesus has the same nature as God the Father, but he has chosen to submit to the Father. When he took earthly form, he chose to submit to the will of the Father. It shows us the oneness of the will in the Trinity. That we have three but one. Amen? Let me say that again. It's showing us the oneness of the will in the Trinity. There are some people, some have observed, that people think differently about the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes people think differently. think the God of the Old Testament is a God of judgment and, and anger and wrath. And the God of the New Testament is all grace. All love, all mercy. Amen? How many, how many ever noticed that or thought that yourself? I did. I used to think, oh yeah, there's the Old, God, Old Testament God. And boy, thank, then Jesus came. And everything was just sunshine and rainbows. Right, Steve? Amen. Just sunshine and rainbows. But, but there's something to be... You should know that they are the same. There is no difference there. They are the same. It, it, it brings to, some people might be a little confused within Scripture, and, and they, they, they might be confused about what we're called to. You know, there are some people, and I've, I've talked about this before, there's people who are called red-letter Christians. Red-letter Christians are those who would only listen to or follow the words of the Bible. That How many have a red-letter edition Bible? The words of red are the words of Jesus, right? The red-letter Christians would only believe that they need to follow the words of Christ. Don't, don't worry about the words of Paul. Don't worry about the Old Testament. We're only following the words of Christ. Now, that sounds somewhat like, oh, okay, I can maybe get on board with that. But here's the problem. Their movement is defined by those who say that Christians put too much emphasis on things like abortion. Christians put too much emphasis on things like homosexuality. Two things that truly Jesus didn't speak about. So if you look in the words of Jesus, he didn't speak about abortion, he didn't speak about homosexuality. What they failed to understand is that these issues were already put to rest by the Word of God. These issues were already put to rest by the Word of God in the Old Testament. Amen? If the Scripture is the Word of God and Jesus is fully God, then all of the Scriptures say what Jesus says. He and the Father are of one will. Amen? He, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they are three distinct personalities, but they, are, they move in one will. A Christian can't separate the will of Jesus and God the Father. A Christian can't separate the will of Jesus and God the Father. You say, well, Pastor David, hold on a second. What about the Old Testament and the law? Isn't that, I mean, that's a good question. What about the law? I mean, do we still, as Christians, do we have to follow the law? 
How many know somebody that loves the Lord, is a Christian, but feels that they have to follow the law? I do. They're called Messianic Jews sometimes, or they're, they're referred to as uh, maybe sometimes Messianic Christians, where they're Christian, but they feel that they need to submit to the Old Testament law. Now, this is a really, actually a really interesting conversation and a really interesting topic, but I'm not going to preach on that this morning. Amen? Why? Because I have a lot to get through. And while it's a great question, and someday we're going to preach on it, I promise you that, uh, we're just, we can't, I can't go off on that rabbit trail this morning. Amen? But understand this. What Jesus does on earth is a reflection of the Father's will. It is a reflection of the Father's will. Jesus says this to the Jewish leaders, and, and I can just imagine their blood is starting to boil. And then he goes even further, and he says this, but you haven't seen the half of it yet. For in the same way the Father raises the dead and creates life, so does the Son. The Son gives life to anyone He chooses. Neither He nor the Father shuts anyone out. The Father handed all authority to judge over to the Son so that the Son will be honored equally with the Father. You can imagine that as he's saying this, the Jewish leaders are just, their fists are getting clenched. Right? Have you ever been like mad at someone? To where you're not mad at first, but the more they talk. Come on. Husbands? Wives? Okay. <laughs> the more they talk, you just you can feel you can feel your jaw getting tighter. Your teeth are getting clenched, your fists, all of a sudden there's marks in your hands from your nails. The Jewish leaders here are hearing this and, and Jesus is saying this and, and the reaction is, is going to be incredible here. The Father, this is what Jesus says, the Father handed all authority to judge over to the Son so that the Son will be honored equally with the Father. Anyone who dishonors the Son dishonors the Father. You dishonor the Son... You dishonor the Father, for it was the Father's decision to put the Son in the place of honor. The power of Jesus wasn't just to heal the lame and make water to wine. That's what they'd seen so far. Jesus is saying clearly here, no, no, you haven't seen the half of it yet. I know you've seen the lame walk, you've seen water turn to wine, you've seen a few miracles now, but you haven't seen the half of it yet. I have the power to raise the dead. I have the power to resurrect life. And that power is given to me by me submitting to the will of the Father. He's explaining his equality with the Father, and in doing so, he just drives them even deeper into anger. He drives them even deeper into anger. And he says this, go to the next slide. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. In your Bibles, the translation would say, truly, truly. Amen? It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father who has in fact put me in charge has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. Somebody say amen. Amen. Is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person, the person who aligns himself with the Father, this person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. 
How many are so glad that I no longer have to live in the world of the dead? We need to live in the world of the living. We, we are aligned with the Father and the Son. Amen? I have a question. Have you ever drawn a line in the sand? Steve Mann. Here's the thing. I know Steve a little bit. We spent some time together. Steve, have you ever gotten in a fight? Did I what? You ever get in a fight? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. When you were like a kid? Yeah. Were you, were you a mischievous right. child? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Lost, you lost? Oh, boy. <laughs> Steve, did you ever, you ever see this thing where kids get in fights and they draw a line in the sand? You ever see that? Yeah. You never did that? No, he was... Maybe you would have won if you had done <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Sometimes you have to draw a line in the sand and, and you say, don't you cross that line. If you cross that line, Gary... Easy. (laughs) If you cross that line, there's going to be trouble, right? That's what they say. So sometimes we have to draw a line. And then here's what happened. I saw this in a movie. I don't know what movie it was. But uh, the kid, the kid, oh, it was on Little House on the Prairie. We were watching it. It was funny. So the kid's going to get in a fight and he draws a line in the sand. He says, I dare you to cross that line. And so this bully kid crosses the line. And the kid looks at him and goes, good, now you're on my side. Sometimes we have to draw a line in the sand, amen? Sometimes we have to say, we just have to put a stop and say, we're not going past this part. It's time to pick a side. You're either aligned with the Father or you're not. You're aligned with the Father. If you're aligned with the Father, you've taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. It's urgent that you get this. If there is, listen, if there is any question about it before, it's being answered right here. Because here's what it says. Go to the next slide. It's urgent that you get this right. The time has arrived. And I mean right now. The time has arrived. Not later. Not down the road. Not next week. Not next month. Right now. When dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God. And hearing will come alive. Somebody say amen. Amen. Just as the Father has life in Himself, He has conferred on the Son life in Himself. And He has given Him the authority, simply because He is the Son of Man, to decide and carry out all matters of judgment. If there was any question about who Jesus was before this, Jesus is putting it to rest and saying, I am equal with the Father. It's likely... That this cause, this wording causes a massive uproar. I mean, he's speaking to the Jewish leaders. There's probably quite a few of them around. They're listening. Their teeth are gritted. Their, their fists are clenched, right? It's likely that this, this, uh, causes a massive uproar. They must have been blown away by the claims of this carpenter. The claims of this carpenter who was a son of a carpenter. Because Jesus says this. In some translations, it'll say, marvel not. Here's what it says. It says, don't act so surprised at all this. I like that. Don't act so surprised at all this. The time is coming when everyone dead and buried will hear his voice. Did you know that everyone is going to be resurrected? 
everyone is going to be resurrected. You say, well, Pastor David, what do you mean? It says it right here. Those who have lived the right way will walk out into a resurrection life. But those who have lived the wrong way into a resurrection judgment. Everybody's going to be resurrected. It's a matter if you're going towards life or judgment. Let's not mince words this morning. What's the right way? It's God's way. Amen? What's the wrong way? It's my way. It's my way. It's my way. It's my, it's my choice. What's the right way? It's God's way. Say, if I say, what's the right way? What would you say? It's God's way. What's the wrong way? Our way. Go to the next slide. Jesus says, I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not out to get my own way, but to carry out orders. He's under the will. He's submitting to the will of the Father. If I were simply speaking on my own account, it would be an empty, self-serving witness. I love, man, Jesus is just speaking very real here. But an independent witness confirms me the most reliable witness of all. You notice that big W there? The most reliable witness of all. God confirms me. He's the most reliable witness of all. Furthermore, he's saying furthermore, you, the Jewish leaders are going to know this. Furthermore, you all saw and heard John, who's referring to John the Baptist. You all saw and heard John the Baptist, and he gave expert and reliable testimony about he, didn't he? Expert and reliable. He uses almost courtroom talk there. Listen. He says, I'm doing the work of my father by the words of my father. And not only is he my witness, John the Baptist is my witness. And you know he's reliable. Amen? You know he's reliable. Then he says, let's go to the next slide. These very tasks as I go about completing them confirm that the father in fact sent me. The Father who sent me confirmed me. And you missed it. You never heard his voice. You never saw his appearance. There is nothing left in your memory of his message. Listen to this. Because you did not take his messenger seriously. Hmm. There is nothing left in your memory of his message because you did not take his messenger seriously. I don't have to expound on this. Let the word of God speak to your heart this morning. Amen? Go to the next slide. It says this, but my purpose is not to get your vote. Jesus isn't trying to win your vote and not to appeal to mere human testimony. I'm speaking to you this way so that you will be saved. John was a torch. John the Baptist, he was a torch. He was blazing and bright. And you were glad enough to dance for an hour or so in his bright light. But the witness that really confirms me far exceeds John's witness. It's the work the Father gave me to complete. It's the work the Father gave me to complete. Go to the next slide. 
You have your head in the Bibles constantly. In the translation there, it would say you have your head in the Scriptures. You have your heads in the Bible constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These Scriptures, everything is all about me. And here I am standing right before you and you aren't willing to receive from me the life that you say you want. These Jewish leaders, you're searching all the time for the Messiah. You're trying to determine who the Messiah is. I'm telling you, I'm right here. Jesus is saying, I'm the Messiah you've been searching for this whole time. I'm Him. But but here's the thing. They missed Him. They missed Him. Why'd they miss Him? I like what this commentary says. It says this, because Jesus' miraculous works didn't fit in with what they thought the Messiah would do. They didn't receive this witness of Jesus' works. See, they thought the Messiah would take over, maybe overthrow the political rule. That He would be the King. They weren't looking for a babe in a manger. They weren't looking for a humble servant. They were looking for an earthly power rather than an eternal majesty. They were looking for an earthly power. Sometimes we look to earthly powers, right? Sometimes we look and say, well, well, maybe now that this person's in office, things will be better. Now maybe if this person gets voted in, things will be better. Now if that person gets voted in, oh boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? Come on. There's people on both sides of the aisle. I get it. But my hope is not in who's the White House. My hope is who is in charge of God's house. Amen? My hope doesn't lie in, in who the mayor is or who the governor is. I think that's all good. I think that we should participate and all that. But that's not where my hope lies. It doesn't matter if, if who's in the administration. We hear things on the news and they might frighten us and scare us and, and think, what are we going towards? And, and where, where are we going as a country? And is it going to be nuclear war? And what, what is it? This body is just, is just limited. I'm not working toward the physical, I'm working toward the eternal. Amen? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I love that. Was somebody said about, they, they heard a quote from, about Billy Graham. They said, he said, someday you're going to hear that Billy Graham died. Don't you believe it? I'm more alive now than I've ever been. Man, I love that. This world is not my home. Amen? I'm just passing through. Whew. I know, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Is that Oak? He's okay. I love that guy. Go to the next slide. It says this. Jesus says, I love, I love what Jesus says. I'm not interested in your approval. I'm not interested in crowd approval. And do you know why? Because I know you and your crowds. Listen to this. Oh man, this is, this goes after the message of the Jewish leaders. I know that love, especially God's love, is not on your working agenda. I came with the authority of my Father, and you either dismiss me or you avoid me. How many of us can be saints? We have, we have been guilty of that. There's times where we either dismiss him or avoid him. If another came acting self-important, you would welcome him with open arms. 
If another came taking over earthly power and overthrowing the Roman government, which is what they wanted, you would welcome him with open arms. How do you expect to get anywhere with God when you spend all your time jockeying for position with each other, ranking your rivals and ignoring God? I love it when the Bible preaches for me. Pastor Dave, why are you been so hard on us this morning? I'm just reading the Word of God. I don't know what you're talking about. Amen? And then he goes in, and then he goes this. This is where it gets a little bit deeper for the Jewish leaders. Go to the next slide. But don't think I'm going to accuse you before my father. I'm not the, Jesus is not our accuser. Amen? I'm not going to accuse you before the father. Here's what he says though. Moses, in whom you put so much stock, he's your accuser. Why is that? If you believed and really believed what Moses said, you would believe me. He wrote about me. How many know the law points towards Christ? The law, the Mosaic law points towards Christ. And so he says, if you won't take seriously what he wrote, how can I expect you to take seriously what I speak? If you don't take what Moses wrote seriously and see that it's pointing towards me, then how are you going to take what I speak seriously? I love what Jesus says here. He says, I'm not accusing you. Moses is. And the reason Moses is, is because the real truth is that if you don't believe him, if you believed him, you'd believe me. If you believed Moses, you'd believe me. The enti- this entire dialogue, this entire dialogue takes place because Jesus healed the man waiting at the pool. Jesus heals the man waiting at the pool. The man gets up, takes his bed. The religious leaders go after him. Then they go after Jesus. This whole dialogue takes place. I believe that this is all part of a plan. I believe Jesus knew full well he is setting the framework for the crucifixion. He's making the Jewish leaders about as angry as he could, knowing where it's going to lead, knowing where it has to lead. We then get into John chapter 6. Before we go there... uh, uh, I want to say I'm, going to, I'm switching over now from the, the message to the English Standard Version. So if you have that, you can follow along pretty well. We now get into John chapter 6. It, sa- it says this in verse 1 through 5. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. He was healing the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Where are we to buy bread? This is where we witness another of Jesus' miracles. It's what's traditionally known as the feeding of the 5,000. How many have heard the story before? It's pretty familiar about the loaves and the fishes, amen? We've talked about this before. He sees all the people. This is, this is, uh, he, he sees the people. He sees them coming and he says, man, look at all these people. They're going to need to eat something. And so he asks Philip where they can buy some bread. Philip, where are we to buy bread? So that these, these people meet. 
I'm trying to relate it here to Esterville. Philip, where can we get some more casseroles? <laughs> Philip, where can, where can we get some more pulled pork? Hold on, they were Jewish. That probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, where can we buy s- some bread? Now, he said this. This was a test. This was a test. There's more to it. Go to the next slide. It says this. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Master, we have 200 denarii. Say, how much is 200 denarii? It was a good amount. I mean, it wasn't a huge amount, but it was about six months worth of wages. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Just to get a little, Philip fails the test. Jesus said, go back to the first, the, the slide before. Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Where are we going to buy bread? Jesus had made water to wine. Amen? If, if, I like what one commentary says, if Philip's faith had been greater, rather than looking at the checkbook, he would have just looked to the Savior. How many, how many ever looked at your checkbook before you looked to the Savior? Come on. Come on. One one commentator says this, that his calculations left out the one element that he needed, and that element was Jesus Christ. His calculations left out the... How many times do we look at what we have rather than what Jesus can provide? Steve Mann. That's right. Steve's getting picked on today. That's what happens when you spend time with me during the week. <laughs> Steve Mann, uh, God had God blessed him with a truck. He's talked about this before. God blessed him with a truck. And uh, a month came up where they had a significant amount of bills. A significant amount of bills. But here's the thing. There was probably a little bit of worry about how those bills would be paid. But God had blessed Steve with that truck. And so this is what Steve said. I like this. He said, the God that gave me that truck can take care of those bills. Amen? Amen. And then he went and did this. I like I like this story, Steve. He said, he said, I pointed in three directions. Is that right? I pointed in three directions. And each one of those places I pointed is where God gave me a job. Amen. Oh, he, he didn't say he just showed up on his doorstep one day. Let me let me let me let me say that again. He didn't say it just miraculously sh- showed up in an envelope in his mailbox. He said, "No, no, no. I pointed those directions, and where I pointed, God gave me a job. It's not a dirty word, people. Come on, J O B. It's a good one. And during, and it was from God, right?" Three directions that you pointed. I told him, you should have pointed in more directions. I said, man, you should have gone here, 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 here. Whew. Thank you, Lord. When we live according to his word, he will provide for our needs. Amen. 
Sometimes it's done in the supernatural. And there's some times where it's done in the supernatural. It's, it's supernatural to point in a direction, point in this direction, point, and all of a sudden you get three jobs exactly where you pointed. That's a supernatural thing. Praise the Lord. There are some times where God lays it on somebody's heart to bless us. How many are, how many are thankful for that? There's times where we see that God uses both the practical and the supernatural. Amen? So, I, I like what happens here. Go to the next slide. <laughs> One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says to him, hey, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? I mean, it's just five loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. So there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Now keep in mind that the number here is 5,000 men. Does anyone have a tissue? Oh, it's right here. I'm sweating in my eyes. So I need to... It stinks. Keep in mind, the number here, he says about 5,000 in number. Uh, it's 5,000 men in number. How many was it? It was a lot more than 5,000 people. It was a lot more than 5,000. The actual number would have been much more. There's women and children. And so we have to consider that this miracle covers all of them. It covers all of them. I like what this says. Go to the next slide. It says this. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those, them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. He says, it's time to get the leftovers. How many like leftovers? I'm a fan. I love leftovers. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said to him, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Not only was there enough to feed the thousands of people, but there was leftovers. I like that. God didn't just provide enough. He provided more than enough. How many are happy when God provides more than enough? Come on. When the people saw this, they got worked up. Man, He didn't just provide enough. I mean, that would have been a miracle in itself. Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 plus people. If He just provided enough, that would have been amazing. But He provided more than enough. When the people saw this, they get worked up. How many know I'd get worked up if that happened? You'd get worked up too. I know a bunch of... Stone-faced people here this morning. Lost an hour of sleep, and now I can't get you to say amen. Come on. They get worked up. I get worked up too. This indeed is the prophet who's to come into the world. He provided the bread for us. But there's some danger here. There's some danger here. I like what the commentary says on this. It says, this crowd was willing to support Jesus as long as He gave them what they wanted. Bread. It's easy to criticize how the crowd loved Jesus for the bread that He gave them, but we often only love Jesus for what He gives us. How many have been there? Sometimes we only love Jesus for what He can give us. 
we must also love and obey Him simply for who He is. He is Lord and He is God. Amen? Lord, I thank You for the blessings in my life. I thank You that You've given me not just enough, but more than enough. But don't miss the forest for the trees. Don't miss the Savior. Don't miss the Messiah. Don't miss out on your blessing by not understanding what the blessing is in the first place. Amen? See, I believe Jesus wants to provide for our earthly needs, and we should rejoice in it. Amen? I think we should. But we don't want to miss out on what He's providing most of all. See, what we need most is Him. What we need most is Him. Sometimes in our lives, how many of you know, sometimes you may only have enough to survive in meager circumstances. There's times in my life, there's times in our family's lives where it was a struggle to survive. We didn't know where our next paycheck was coming from. We didn't know what was going on. Even in meager circumstances, can you still give God glory? Even in meager circumstances, can you, can you still rejoice in your salvation? <laughs> I love that. We then see what happens next. The next slide says this. These people get worked up. I mean, crazy worked up. Because here's what happens. Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Okay. (laughs) Perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. These people had to be like crazy worked up. There, he's, he's the prophet that's supposed to come. Grab him. Grab him. We're going to make him king. This is how crazy they get. Jesus perceives that they are about to do this and he withdraws again to the mountain by himself. The people saw this miracle and they wanted Jesus. You, Jesus, now it's time. You overthrow the government. Jesus, it's time for you to overthrow the government. But here's the thing. He didn't come for applause or accolades or earthly power. His mission was greater. He came to restore life to the broken and restore salvation to the lost. He didn't come for a hand clap or a thank you very much. He came to restore the broken. Amen? I love that. Jesus said, I didn't come to please the crowd. We should never forget that while Jesus may provide for our needs here and now, there's something far greater on the horizon. Amen? How many many know that song? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon His face the One who saved me by His grace when He takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. Amen? There's something far greater on the horizon. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace. As He takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, 
glorious day that will be. Lord, I thank you that there is coming a day when there will be no more hurts or aches or pains. What a day that will be when the joy will be on our face from seeing our Savior's face. What a day, a glorious day that will be. Lord, I thank You for speaking to us this morning. Lord, I thank You for Your Holy Word this morning. Lord, I pray that it stays with us throughout this week. That we're aware, not not of what's going on in front of us, but Lord, that we look to You. Lord, we thank You for being the God of enough and more than enough. But Lord, we never want to mistake the blessing for the blesser. Lord, we thank You for blessing us. But we look to You and worship You, not because of our gifts, but because You are Lord and God. If you could stand this morning. Lord, I pray over each person here this morning. Lord, that You would bless them and that You would keep them. Lord, that You would cause Your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that You would give them rest. In Jesus' name, Amen.